Coming up this week off screen, Robert Sheehan is the messenger. We go up to space with Infinity. Jack Black and James Marsden hop aboard the D train. The whole history's gang introduces to Bill. Bradley Cooper says aloha. Jason Clark attempts to scale Everest. And Robert Redford goes on a walk in the woods. All that and much more off screen. This is this is off screen. Off screen. the latest film news and reviews. This is Offscreen, the on-screen radio show. Welcome to Offscreen, I'm Van Connor. My name is Case Allen. So where should we start this week then, uh, Case? Should we, start um, with, uh, should we start with Bill? Let's start with Bill. Yeah. Okay, so Bill, which is uh, which is from the Horrible Histories gang. Do, do you yeah, know the Horrible Histories gang? I team? do. I do know that show. I know the books. I'm, I'm yeah. not terribly familiar with them, I must admit. Okay. Um, I, I, I know the books. I've seen them in Costco. You know that. that <laughs> yeah, you get them for like £2 or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I've seen I've seen the box sets of twenty six books in Costco. Yeah. Um, that that's the extent of my knowledge mm. of Marvel histories. Bill, it seems, is this blackadder like uh, Monty Python esque Mel Brooksian take on the life on the lost years, not the life, but the lost years of Bill Shakespeare. Sorry, Will, William Shakespeare, who yeah. for the purpose of this film is called Bill. Bill to his friends. Bill. And he's yeah. about 30 years old. He is kicked out of his band, The Mortal Coil. <laughs> oh, brilliant. And, and, and do you know how they kick him out? Um, they tell him they are shuffling him off from Mortal <laughs> Coil. That That's is, genius. That is, and this is the film. He's filled with that kind of humour. Oh, great. And he decides to pursue his other dream of becoming a famous playwright and moving to <laughs> that London. Literally, literally the words, that London, that London, to make his name on the stage. Here's a clip. Saying things in a short, snappy way instead of a long, drawn-out way is the soul of wit. Oh, someone's been in the wars. Uh, yes, I am. Um... What are you doing in a pie? It's a disguise. Or one might say a despise. Now that works in three ways. One, it's a disguise. Two, the disguise is pies. And three, it's got the word spies in it, so... It's very clever. The cool. thing with it, obviously, is that he doesn't just... It's not all about just Shakespeare, because he obviously gets involved in the sort of espionage plot, a plot by uh, King Philip uh, II of Spain to assassinate uh, Queen Elizabeth, and he meets Philip Mar- Philip Marlowe as a character in it, for instance. And the thing... I, I walked into this one, and I think I was, I was talking to a bunch of guys on the way in, and uh, one of the things I said was, at least we know it couldn't possibly be as bad as Anonymous. That was awful. Do you remember Anonymous? Yeah. Do you remember? Okay. John Sing Silence, he, he remembers Anonymous, I think he saw it with, with me as well. Um, so it's not as bad as Anonymous. In fact, it's actually a lot of fun. It's a very, it, it's very, fa- it aimed very much at a family audience. And I, as I imagine Horrible Histories is, I mean, Horrible Histories is aimed at young children, isn't it? It is, yeah. It's part of like this CBB thing for a is, while. is it actually a CBB's yeah, but, thing? but it, it does talk to adults as well, and there's, there's bits for everyone. Okay, well, yeah. having seen this now, I can wholeheartedly believe that. And I say, there are elements of Blackadder in there, and Monty Python, and even Carry On movies as mm. well. And it, I thought it particularly owed a debt to uh, Robin Hood Men in Tights. I love that film. Which I'm, I'm a very <laughs> big fan of Men in Tights. And so you've got uh, Matthew Bainton in place, Bill, mm. in this as Shakespeare, and he's a lot of fun. He's got that. He does the sort of feckless, sort of drifting slacker type. You know the, the directionless. 
twenty something, pushing thirty, doesn't quite know what to do with himself. Like you're just character. describing my life a little. <laughs> Mine too. <laughs> you talk about me, <laughs> but uh, and he's very, he's very enjoyable. Mm. Um, I, I did like uh, the character of Philip Marlowe. I forget the name of the actor who plays him. Um, the thing is, there are about four cast members who play multiple roles within the film. So Matthew Bainton turns up in four or five different. It's a very kind of Monty Python. It is yeah, very much like you so. Said. Um, so you've got Bainton, who's very, very central to the cast. Um, I did quite like uh, Ben Wilbon's King Philip II as a literally yeah. moustache twirling villain. Literally <laughs> moustache twirling, as in he has a must, he has a goatee, but he still wears a ridiculous fake moustache to conceal his identity. And then you've got uh, Helen McCrory turns up as Queen Elizabeth. Oh, I can see that. And yeah, she's definitely. Really game for it. Really, really? she's up for a laugh, and and, and in, that, mm. in that proper fun bonkers way that Helen McCrory does in usually quite a scary way. Yeah, she's now applied it to a comedic sense, but it works really, really well. There's a, there's a cameo that you were talking about earlier that I had no idea was even a part um, of it. I'm not. I think it is in the trailer, so we can talk about it. it it's, oh, okay. there is a, there's a cameo by. I mean, it is central to the plot. This cameo mm. by Damian Lewis. And and it's very very funny. He provides the film's opening, and it's hilarious. <laughs> and it's the most abusive use of the name Phil you've ever heard in your life. Um, it's chock full of gags. Literally, you can laugh once a minute at this. Uh, I mean, I, I sat with some very respected critics who laughed like gibbons. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Are gibbons known to laugh for? I I would I'm just going to assume that's where the phrase comes from. Laugh like laugh, it. Yeah. Um, so there's some some uh, great gags that are in your face. There's some snuck in the background. Uh, there's one in this picture here case mm. uh, I've got here, which if you can see the vegetable slogan in the background, are you getting your two a week? Oh, brilliant! Which I think is fantastic. Yeah. Um, that's uh, Elizabethan London for you. Is that is that up on the website? Uh, that that is up on the site. If you check the review, the, the great background gag in that one. It's not as eternally quotable as, for instance, any Monty Python film or Men in Tights or anything like that. But it's a very surprising, very impressive sort of adventurous comedy romp mm. from the Horrible Histories team, no less. And it's one I do hope they follow up. I hope they do more like it. Should we do some film news then, Case? Let's do some film news, man. Oh, oh this is my favourite one. Have you heard about Humbug? Oh, this, yes. this is amazing. Humbug, oh, so this is going to be an updated contemporary retelling of Charles Dickens' as A Christmas Carol, starring Ice Cube. Take my money. Just have my money, <laughs> have it all. I don't care that Tim Story is directing, because <laughs> this is going to yeah. you know, reunite the pair oh. who haven't been together since Barbershop. It's, like it's going to be Barbershop and Scrooged it, combined. Yeah, what, what could go wrong with that? No, but Barbershop 3 is in production It, right it is, yeah, without Tim Story, that. though. Oh, really? Yeah, Tim Story's not involved in it, strangely. But. Um, okay, my favourite one as well, because this ties into an actor we talk about a lot. Um, Adam Brody has joined the cast of Chips, which is obviously oh, cool. big yeah. screen adaptation Dak of... Shepherd. The, yeah, yeah. Dak Shepard. Dak Shepard is directing it, writing it, and starring in it. I'm doing the theme tune, editing it, doing it all. Write the theme tune, sing the theme tune. Yeah. Uh, Michael Peña's going to be Ponch. So Great. Michael <laughs> Peña is the new Eric Estrada. But here's the part that nobody seems to have picked up on. Aside from the fact that Rosa Salazar from Major and the Scorch Trials and Insurgent Divergent, which is why we get those two confused. Insurgent Divergent Allegiant. Yeah. The most yeah. important part of all of this is that the villain will be played by none other than the king of militarizing dinosaurs, Mr. No. Vincent D'Onofrio. Yes. Oh, man. Vinnie D'Onofrio is going to be militarizing chips. Oh, brilliant. Militarising chips. <laughs> Militarising chips. He's moving on from dinosaurs, moving on to food and police. <laughs> exactly. I've militarised raptors. Let's militarise the California Highway Patrol. Yeah. Good old Vinny D'Onofrio. So, what should we, what should we look at now? Should we, should we say aloha? 
Let's say hello. In in which way shall we say aloha? Because it means hello and goodbye. I would like to say the latter, but let's let's just set it up for people. Should we say the former then the latter? Okay, so this is the latest from Cameron Crowe, you know, um, American cinema icon. The guy, um, uh, Say Anything, um, Singles, Almost Famous, all these amazing projects. I think Almost Famous is his kind of, that's his big thing, isn't it? And of course, Vanilla Sky, which I'm quite a fan of. Of course, Jay Maguire. How do I forget Jay Maguire? So, of course, you know, you'd expect really great things from another film by Cameron you would, Brown. Yeah. Particularly one, he's assembled uh, Bradley Cooper, Emma Stone, Rachel McAdams, Alec Cats. Baldwin, Danny McBride, Bill uh, John Murray. Krasinski, Bill Murray. Oh, wow, who isn't in this film? Um, Anthony Michael Hall, before you say anything, because you love this thing, <laughs> Anthony Michael Hall's in every film. So, I like him, he's just in a lot of films. What is the plot of Aloha? Well, what isn't the plot of Aloha? This is the story of uh, Brian Gilchrist, played by Bradley Cooper, who returns to Hawaii after a prolonged absence in his career as a military contractor, and he returns to the island to, um, well, it's a gateway blessing? But he's also doing a land negotiation so that they can build a space command. And at the same time, he's part of a satellite launch for Bill Murray, who is an eccentric billionaire who Mm. also, for some reason, wants to put missiles in space. Just wants to have missiles just floating. Just wants to have missiles. And then there's Emma Stone, who's a local girl who is a bit cartoony and a bit by the book who has issues with his uh, Bradley Cooper's uh, nascent, rather uh, off, off, yeah. standoffish personality. And then there's his ex-girlfriend, played by Rachel McAdams, who's had kids with his old friend, who's played by John Straczynski, who's got his own problem in that he doesn't communicate enough and he, he, he conveys messages through, through short stares. Here's, here, here's a clip. You never had a partner. Oh. I mean, I know that your, your ex-wife gave you the heave a year ago. Hey. That would be off-limits repartee for us, Captain. I lone-wolfed it all the way. That's who I am. End of speech. Understood. By the way, my ex-spouse did not give me the heat. She met some rich guy who made his fortune selling comic books, and in this economy, that's enough to vaporize a marriage. Suddenly get replaced by a comic book version of yourself. Nobody wants to live where they are. They all want to be in a fantasy, Ing. All right? She gave me the heat. Why did she blow it? No, I got nothing. No, I, not, I, not, a, not a thing. I, I got nothing. <laughs> I uh, Case, I mean, <laughs> what, what, is there anything you can say on this one? Cause... Uh, well, Alec Baldwin was doing his best uh, impression of Alec Baldwin. That was good. I've, I've taken to referring to it as Alec Baldwining. Alec Baldwin. Alec Baldwin shows up to do Reagan-ing. some Alec Baldwin. It's, it's like, it is yeah, like Reagan. Reagan yeah. Alec Baldwin shows up to do some Alec Baldwining. Okay, so there's, there's like two bits that I I did enjoy. Two like fleeting passing gags. There's Baldwin doing the Baldwin voice, and then there's a running John Krasinski gag. We're communicating through stairs. Yeah, and that yeah. that was actually quite fun towards the end. And well, yeah, th- this is the problem because the film opened four months ago in the US, and very very quickly its title became like a pop culture shorthand for bad. This and even to the likes of John Oliver and things like that, they were making gags about it. Yeah, and it just became it was the the talk show monologue gag of the week. How bad is? And that was it. Nobody thought this was going to be any good. So you go in and you think, well, it couldn't possibly be that bad. It is. It really mm. is. It's not only bad; it's boring. That's the so boring. It really is. It's just some stuff happening, and right. I've always had this thing about Bradley Cooper where I think he's a TV actor. I knew him as a TV actor before he was mm. in The Hangover. I knew him as a TV actor, and he was fine as a, he was a slightly higher echelon TV actor. Fair enough, you know. Like I loved him in Alias; that was great. Kitchen Confidential, same thing. 
But I never really quite saw his appeal as a movie star. I don't think he's a movie star. And this does not sway my opinion one bit. This kind of confirms for me. Bradley Cooper is not a movie star. Uh, Cameron Crowe, it seems, has lost any semblance of directing movies anymore. He just wants to do a play and doesn't care if anyone shows up to see it. Um, tonally, it is all over the place. What kind of film is it? Is it a comedy? Is it a dramedy? Is it... it was billed as being a rom-com come dramedy, <laughs> I guess. But, but Does it succeed on any level? Bill Murray is like a Bond villain. Kind, <laughs> kind of is, isn't he? Yeah. Well... <laughs> not, I mean, not even, a, not even like a, a funny one. And no, just... I mean, it's it's dull. It's plodding. It has all the narrative engagement of shopping for coat hangers, which I believe is what I actually texted you afterwards. Yeah, you did. did um, if it were I, a person, I, try, I think whilst you were watching it, you texted me. Yeah, which, <laughs> yeah. which just shows how bad it and unengaging. The beauty is. of US Blu-ray. <laughs> Um, if this were a person, you'd, be, you'd kick it to death through sheer frustration. If it were a houseplant, you'd knock it over and leave it to die. If it were a car, you'd send it careening over a cliff with a smile on your face. It is just bad. Nothing about it is good. He can't even do... He can't even highlight the Hawaiian scenery, right? And this is Cameron Crowe! No. no. Avoid no. this. Just avoid it. I think one of the few things that will be kind of good about it, Cameron Crowe will hopefully learn from this. Mm. He's got a couple of good sounding projects on paper coming up, <laughs> so maybe he'll concentrate. He's got a TV show called Roadies. Oh, he's That sounds really in. good. So, you know, fingers crossed. It's one of those things, I, I think, the, because the word aloha means both hello and goodbye, I think it's really, oh, yeah. really convenient because it allows you to not have to learn a second term. So you start the film, like, aloha, aloha film, you know, and then um, like five minutes in, you're like, oh, I want to say aloha again because this sucks. I don't know about you, but I could I could do cheering up with some film news bits. I think, and we've got loads of film. We've got bits. loads. Oh, 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 I'll tell you what. Let's let's keep the mood a bit somber and, and announce that Pacific Rim Two has been postponed yeah. indefinitely because, mm. as if seeing Aloha this week wasn't bad <laughs> enough. <laughs> you then you Cheers, then get a second Hollywood. kick to the nuts when they say, "Yeah, there's not going to be a Pacific Rim Two for a bit longer now." You're like, yeah, Why? Aloha gets made, but Pacific Rim Two doesn't. I think it's probably because of all the monster. <laughs> Ruminings that's now happening. So Godzilla and true, King Kong, that's yeah, that's probably pushed that back. Well, that's the thing because we've got a new Godzilla movie coming now as well. Yeah. Uh, not a universal one to go with Gareth Edwards as one from last year. Uh, Godzilla 2016, made by yeah. Toho in Japan, the original company. They are filming that now. They've started filming yeah. Godzilla 2016 as of yesterday, I believe. Is that what the title's going to be? It's Godzilla 2016. Yeah, there's a poster for it. It literally says Godzilla 2016. I hope it gets pushed back to 2017. <laughs> I hope it does. We'll <laughs> be so annoyed. Uh, oh, there's the other one. Rupert Wyatt has quit as director of Gambit. Yeah, you see, I predicted this. Did you? Did yeah, you? I did. Did I don't you think it's on the show? Because I don't remember this. I don't, I don't think I said it on the show, but I, I probably just said it to myself when it got announced. Because He'll quit. He's, 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 a, he's a really good director. I just feel like he's quite a flaky director or it'll go it'll go from doing like quite a big studio project and then do something quite I mean, small and he personal. did spend a lot of time on Hollyoaks that's just you know to, to let that one sum it up for you see I didn't I didn't know that no he comes really? from Hollyoaks Rupert Wyatt cut his teeth through acting episodes of Hollyoaks seriously that, that's the thing I can't say a bad word but that's, no? that's impressive no. man. You, ne- you now want to go back and watch those episodes of Hollyoaks don't you I want to watch uh, Rise of Planet of the Apes again <laughs> who doesn't so let's take a look at Infini then. Uh, this is—I was looking forward to this one as well. Did you see this trailer when it was? I—I I don't know anything about. Do you this, not know anything about this? Do so you watch the trailer and it is this off war space marine search and rescue bit of a virus, <laughs> oh, kind of a tale, and there's a Hemsworth in it. 
Not one of the good ones. Though. Not it, 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 it's, it's the Poundland Hemsworth, admittedly. <laughs> it's it's you know it's the supermarket brand Hemsworth. It, it's for Daniel Baldwin. Of it's Hemsworth. Morrison's own Hemsworth. Yeah, yeah. It, the Daniel Baldwin of Hemsworth, exactly. Mm. Yeah. So this is it's Luke Hemsworth. This is actual name. <laughs> so this is uh, latest from up and coming director Shane Abess, um, Australian made sci fi film. The general gist is by a set point in the future, most of humanity lives below the poverty line. And as a result, this new industry has emerged where a new industry of sort of blue collar workers has emerged. And they. They they take the form of being transported through like a Star Trek trial style transporter to the furthest reaches of space on effectively blue collar workers' jobs, mm. and the idea is that the actual mechanism to transport them there can go spectacularly wrong. Although this doesn't really happen in the film, so I'm not sure why we're told it. Um, in the opening of the film, it is our central character uh, central character's first day on the job, as, as as it were. Daniel McPherson is his name. Uh, Carmichael. He has a first name, I forget it. But they just refer to him as Carmichael. On his first day on the job, a team beams in effectively to headquarters, afflicted by a, a virus that causes the facility to go into lockdown. And in order to escape, the only way he can escape is to beam himself back to where they've just come from. Cue the next uh, installation, because this is the East Coast, and then the West Coast installation decides we need to go and investigate ourselves and find out what happened, because there's a, a guy stranded there, and also, it turns out that this happens to be a facility in the furthest reaches of space, named Infini, where they mine a certain mineral, which if it interacts with Earth's atmosphere, will explode and detonate the planet, but the auto uh, auto shipping procedure has been enacted so that this, this mineral will actually be shipped to Earth in a matter of hours, so you have to beam there, and you have to find Carmichael and stop the shipment, but there's a caveat, because of time dilation theory, you're only actually going to be gone for about two minutes. But in reality, that's 24 hours on the station. So basically, it works out as one second here equals six minutes there. But And, and so on and so forth. But no sooner do they get to Infinity, however, than there's a virus on the loose. And it's a rage virus. And they all start to... You see, I mean, this is this is like Jupiter ascending. What? <laughs> what a did rage, you just say? There was a rage virus on the station. They all turn on each other. My eyes just went cross-eyed. They just kind of glazed over whilst we're talking. <laughs> Here's a clip. Step forward, please. Sir, take your eyeline to what me. What is your name? Lieutenant Philippa Boxer. Look me dead in the eye, please, sir. I'm going to ask you a series of questions. I'll repeat the questions. Sir, I advise you to take you know your eyes you to me. What is your name? Claire Greenwich. Place your hand on the glass. Do you know where you are? Yeah, East Coast headquarters. I need your full cooperation sir, before I can clear you. Chester All questions P. must be answered. What does P stand What's for? your name, sir? Peter. Charlie Kent. Captain Seat. Johansson. How are you feeling? Please focus Calm and cooperate down. with me. I'm a biomed. Sir, you must what? tell me immediately. Sir, are you hallucinating? No. You're quite jittery, sir. Paris Menzies. is fine. Infinity, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> so you you were boggled by the plot synopsis. That sounds so. convoluted. Um, do you know strange... Actually, that's the funny part, because... Um, you almost wish it was convoluted. You wish it was played as convoluted. You wish it was Star Trek-style technobabble. Hmm. But it's not. It's really... Do you remember when they made made that movie of Miami Vice about ten years ago? Yeah. yeah. And rather oh, than oh. do a buddy cop gritty thing, they did like an almost documentary style matter of fact movie. Mm. That's the problem with this. It is all it's too matter of fact. It's matter of fact. So if we release the chemical enzyme into the atmosphere, then blah blah and, and proton fields and, and you know what? Just t- t- someone throw a pie. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, it's like, space pie. <laughs> throw a space pie. 
Um, right, it's it's directed with a good sense of visual flair by Shayna Bess. It's, mm. And his influences are, are quite obvious on in there. I mean, there's a bit of Alien, a bit of Event Horizon, even the Doom movie, the adaptation okay, yeah. of Doom. There's even a little bit of Sunshine in there, Danny mm. Boyle's Sunshine, particularly the, the final closing portions of Sunshine. It does try to go everywhere. Um, it's impressively creepy. It's very atmospheric. I'll, I'll give it its dues. Unfortunately, it's not very coherent or cohesive. It doesn't quite... I mean, it starts off, it wants to be the Space Marines tale. And then it goes, it wants to be this more cerebral slice of science fiction instead, mm. with a twinge of horror. And it doesn't quite come together. Um, Daniel McPherson's quite an interesting lead. Luke Hemsworth fares a lot better than you would assume a pound store Hemsworth would. Uh, there's a veritable who's who of Australian actors in here who you will recognise purely from lower roles on TV shows. You know, like supporting roles on episodes of The Last Ship, for example, yeah. and things like that. Um, there's no doubt for me, having seen the film, that Shane Abess is someone to watch in future. He's got this SFV1 project coming out soon. Um, but the film is kind of a bit ropey, to be honest. For lack of a it is a very, very ropey film. And it's that's down to the story, down to the screenplay, and it shows because of how much of a handle he has on his tone and his style. And it's a bit of a crying shame, to be honest. So, I mean, aside from the bonkers insanity mm. that is Infinity, I mean, it's like slightly describing the plot of Jupiter Ascending, admittedly, although it would be far less fun. Um, <laughs> come on, that's fun. <laughs> it is fun. Yeah. But uh, So we should take a moment, obviously, to plug our competitions. Um, yes, certainly. Veritable smorgasbord of goodies <laughs> to be won by you, the delightful public, if you buy... Just chance, pop over to onscreenfilm.com and go in our competition section. At the moment, I believe you can win Maze Runner Scorch Trials goodie bags, which seem they look quite That's pretty cool, cool stuff yeah. in there. Uh, we've got Avengers Age of Ultron DVDs going up there shortly of as well. That's just come out. Yep, free wintage, pop on, try your luck, win some swag. I mean, film news in the meanwhile, we should have a yeah. look at some other bits. Uh, oh, have you heard about The Revenger? Uh, yes, I have. So this is uh, Liam Neeson and the guy that did Zombieland. Ruben Fleischer. Ruben so Fleischer, let's hope it's yeah. more Zombieland and a little less... Uh, Gangster Squad. Gangster Squad, yeah. yeah. An action comedy. No one knows the plot. It's being kept under wraps. An action comedy starring Liam Neeson from the director of Zombieland entitled The Revenger. I, I kind of like that. That's cool, to be honest. Um, we've got time for one more bit, I think. What well. else have um, we got? We, we should refer to the fact that Justin Timberlake is officially a troll. And uh, I'm just going to leave that information there. No, I'm kidding. Uh, Justin Timberlake. <laughs> Justin Timberlake has signed up to join the voice cast of Trolls. You know the uh, the DreamWorks upcoming animated reboot of the toy uh, line. The little yeah, things the, that go with on the pencils. big hair. With the big hair. Yeah, you get like a cereal box. Exactly. Why? Well, Justin Timberlake is going to be the male lead. Anna Kendrick okay. will be the female lead. And it's is a it musical. a singing? Yeah, yeah there we it's, are. Of it's course. a musical. Of course it's got it is, Anna yeah. Kendrick in it. Of course, it's a musical. Shall we scale the mountain then? Let's scale Everest. Scale Everest. <laughs> no, it's, it's kind of funny though when you think about it that we how we waited so long for the for the Everest movie. Just how have we not had an Everest movie in decades? Yeah, it, with it, all the you know, yeah. new IMAX screens and all this. And but you would have assumed. Before, in fact, yeah. I'm sure at some point in Everest, an offhand line in, in an offhand line from uh, Jason Clark, he does say, "Oh, the IMAX crew have gone up over there." Because you know this is set in 1996, so there was IMAX technology. Yeah, and I, I think that I think he does refer to an IMAX film crew having gone up the mountain. So it's quite a knowing, quite a joke. knowing little nod, isn't it? Yeah. So of course this is a uh, you know, semi-drama, semi-disaster movie from director Baltazar Kormosor, who brought us 
Contraband. Yeah, a with couple of Marky years Mark, ago. yeah. With, with Marky Mark, sounds uh, funky. Bunch. Two guns, two, two guns. And two guns. Yeah. I prefer two guns to, Me too. Uh, to contraband. Denzel. Yeah, a bit of Denzel. And Wahlberg again, who knew? Mm. Uh, so this time he's bringing us the, I say, part drama, part disaster movie. Story of two teams of commercial sort of explorers as it were it's a, it's yeah. a sign up we'll help you climb we'll take you to the top of Everest yeah not, not, not like like professional climbers. yeah sort of yeah. vacationing climbers thing um, and of course the two teams get stranded on Everest during a severe uh, storm front and well death faces us all it seems including our would-be climbers who of course are forced to face their own mortality <laughs> on the side of probably the most famous mountain in the world here's a clip those of you who dare face their dreams venture consultants offer something beyond the power of words to describe and why don't we describe it in the brochure because it's mostly just pain <laughs> yes put it simply guys human beings simply aren't built to function at the cruising altitude of a 747. Okay, once we get above here, above the South Pole, our bodies will be literally dying. And I mean literally dying. It's not called the death zone for nothing, guys. So the game is, can we get you up to the top and down to the bottom before that happens? I apologise, my stomach having gone off quite loudly during that. <laughs> right. So this is a strange thing with the with the Everest. It has elements of it has elements of the sort of quintessential seventies disaster movie in there, mm. and yet that is sort of those elements are overridden by this nineties disaster movie sensibility. Back when by the time you got to the nineties, it became all about let's have the big name all star cast in small cameos. And you look at something like Armageddon, for example. Yeah. And not so much big names at the time, but these are, these are the future big names. Kind of thing. Let's get Affleck like in. Affleck, Owen Wilson, yeah, exactly. Michael, yeah, get them all in, and, and we're good. Yeah. And this is that sort of an affair, and it, it really feels that it owes more mm. of a debt to those things than it owes the 70s <laughs> disaster movie, even though there are moments when you're reminded of that. In the middle of it all as well, you have this character drama, which you want the character drama to add up to something, but ultimately it doesn't. What you get is a two-hour film. It's two hours, one minute long. And an hour and fifteen of it is set up, and you can't help but wonder what what setup do you need? It's a freaking mountain. Get on it. Yeah, Th- climb up it. This ain't Batman Begins. <laughs> you don't need to be schooled by Liam Neeson and ninjas. Get on the damn mountain. <laughs> Liam Neeson plays the mountain. <laughs> Liam Neeson plays the mountain. Everest talks. <laughs> the wisest mountain that ever lived. Um, Cast, cast wise, all pretty good. Although mm. not, they don't really all get an awful lot to do. Um, it's worth noting that the male cast fare an awful lot better than the female cast. Um, Jason Clark does that Jason Clark thing he always does. He's quite reliable at it. Well, I like that he's becoming this kind of likable new leading man. Like, he he yeah. is. I mean, the, the the success of Jason Clark seems to be. You know what? We need someone who can hold your interest on a movie screen, but that you would take seriously as an actual professional in the job he's supposed to be playing. Yeah, and very much so. You actually believe. Yes, you know what? Convincing climbing is. He, he was great in Dawn. Yeah. Same kind of thing, isn't yeah, it? Definitely. And you then got what, what I can only describe as a very granola Jake Gyllenhaal, <laughs> if, if you know what I mean. <laughs> Jake Gyllenhaal granola edition yeah. is the best way I can describe it. Is that like a skiing holiday? It, kind of, yeah. it feels like Jake Gyllenhaal just wanted the skiing holiday. And uh, you've then got, of course, the token, arrogant, yet semi-charming snob, you know, Josh Brolin, because that's all Josh Brolin ever plays. <laughs> um, 
this is the problem. I mean, Josh Brolin would have been the lead in this film if you'd made it in 2005, for example. Mm. You can pretty much guarantee yeah. that. Um, but the women in the film are terribly underserved. Uh, Kira Knightley is relegated entirely to her mattress. That is her entire role in the film. She literally she does not seem to move from her mattress. I've seen her have a trailer. It's just Cole and that Cole pretty much Jason is Clark. It. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Emma Watson is effectively... Emma Watson? Emily Watson, yeah. sorry. Emily Watson, not Emma Watson. Very different film if it was Emma Watson. Uh, Emily Watson is effectively Ur on the microphone. Yeah, and then you've got Robin Wright Penn who plays Ur indoors. So it's very much a case of Ur in the bed, Ur on the mic, Ur indoors. And you literally could write the female characters this way. <laughs> Robin Wright Penn gets naff all to do until about ten minutes before the end of, well, before the very premature end of the film because this film doesn't so much end so much as slam to credits. And really leaves you with not much sort of come down from it. Hmm. It takes too long to get to the point. Once it does, it becomes hard to tell what's going on because of the enacted weather front, you know, disguising everyone. Everyone looks the same. They've all got the same snow gear, you know, hmm. they've all got the big bushy beards, etc. It's, it's a bit. <laughs> yeah. It's thrilling to watch visually. I mean, Baltar Commissar has done a very good job visually with it. It's very striking to watch. However, I didn't find it very interesting. And that, that's kind of a problem for me, because I want to care about the people on the mountain, and yet I just don't. With the latest film news and reviews, this is Offscreen. And we're back. So, shall we uh, deal with Robert Sheehan's Messenger? Uh, yes, let's do that. Okay, so The Messenger, which is a British supernatural drama thriller with twinges of a horror element to it. Okay. Uh, this, uh, basically... Basically, put there's a sort of six element, six sense element. You're not sixth element. That's fifth element. Six <laughs> yeah. sense not element. With the, the sequel. Yeah, uh, yeah that's the sixth element. Mm. Uh, there's a uh, six sense element to this in that Robert Sheehan sees dead people, effectively, um, and is perceived by the world around him to just be a nutter. He's a sort of dishevelled loner type. Always looks like he needs a shower, and he's always talking to himself. <laughs> so you know, what would you think? Kind of a thing. Uh, one day he encounters a spirit of a recently murdered journalist and decides to, as he does with all of the ghosts who communicate with him, help him make peace, say goodbye to his old life, etc. And in this case, there's an element of who murdered him. Can Robert Sheehan help? Uh, it's, uh, I forget the name, Edward Fox? Robert Fox, the younger one. Yeah, yeah. Robert Robert Fox, Fox, I think it is. Help him find peace and find his would-be murderer. It's directed by David Blair, who's not exactly a newcomer. He's been around a while. Mm. Um, Well, we have a clip. He has a habit of getting involved in things he shouldn't. Death, funerals. Dad says you're not well. Says you lie about seeing dead people. You're sick. What am I going to say to her? Your message, your words. You could always say no. They never give up! Why are you doing this to me? I've got a message. Why do you think that you were chosen? I'm just the messenger. So the messenger there. This is, uh, to be fair to Robert Sheehan, okay, this this is uh, something of an intense and sort of stirring performance from, from the, I don't know him. I really, I don't know Robert his Sheen. work. I don't know um, his... He's a kid from Misfits. He is the he? kid yeah. from That's Misfits. That's kind of a main thing I know him from. Well, he has turned up in a, f- a few films over the last couple of years Oh, what as was well. that? Not he was in uh, Killing Bono. That was ben the Barnes, one. But I, I just hated. 
Well, this is the thing, because Sheehan's performance is something of a beacon uh, th- through this film. It's, it's the through line through this film, because there's not much else going for it. David Blair's style here seems to be very televisual. There's something very Channel 4 about it. Uh, the supporting cast... I mean, you've got David O'Hara in there, and it's Jack Fox, I'm thinking of. Not Fox. Jack Fox, uh, who's in a play, I believe, at the moment. That's pl- advertising's plastered all over London. And... Um, you know what, they, they put in some, some glossily enjoyable performances, but they're really sort of underutilised. They're very small roles. Then you've got Lily Cole. And, yeah, Lily Cole yeah. the model, who okay. apparently has given up modelling and is now focusing on her acting. She's a model-slash-actress. Model-slash-actress yeah. doing some acting in the Team America <laughs> sense. And she sinks this film like a boulder on a life raft. The only thing I can compare it to. Stick to modelling. She cannot deliver a basic line of dialogue without visibly struggling. I mean visibly struggling. Mm. You, can, you can see the cogs turning in this poor girl. Um, and, you know, it's otherwise it's perfectly engaging. It's, it, it's, it's, a, it's fine. You know, it's, it's, it's the old, hey, ghost's yeah. been murdered, let's help him solve it. Yeah, it seems story. like a decent enough story. It's, it's been done before, like you said. That's the thing. It, yeah. It's not exactly... I mean, there's, there's a half a dozen supernatural yeah. episodes. If you want I would to say see all the TV about. shows was um, uh, Pushing Daisies, Dead Like Me, similar That's kind of Hang thing. on, isn't this the exact plot of The Ghost Whisperer? This well, yeah. is literally <laughs> yes. that's the one where they couldn't figure out why ghosts kept coming and showing up at Jennifer Love Hewitt's house, mm. and I, uh, you watch it and think, yeah, I have a vague idea why they might. Um, <laughs> I mean, the, the problem is the story has some momentum to it, um, and between the the sort of ghostly aspects and Robert Sheen's performance, there's enough to keep it sort of chugging along. It, it mm. chugs along merrily enough, um, but the script just doesn't really engage you. And, and and it leans far too much on, on Lily Cole, who's frankly too dead-eyed and uninteresting to really do much with it. Um, the, it's very televisual in its direction, it's quite unfocused. It does even itself out in that regard slightly as the story goes on. Uh, it gets a faint whiff of confidence in the later stages. And uh, Sheehan's accent does grow on you, it's pretty awful to begin with, a bit Coronation Street. Oh really? With. Right. But it does get better, and it does <laughs> it does eventually unfurl into something sort of half decent. But the problem is, you have one foot out the door by the time you get to that stage, and it didn't it did not make me a Robert Sheehan fan, if you know what I mean. Yeah, no, that's that's okay. I mean, like like I said, I've seen him in Killing Bono, which I didn't really like, and Misfits, which he, he was okay in. But yeah, that's the thing. It's not that it's a message you won't want to hear. It's just that you won't care by the time it's been delivered. If you heard the uh, Darren Aronofsky news. Um, I don't this, know. I think this is awesome. Ref- refresh uh, my memory. Darren Aronofsky yeah, yeah. has signed on to direct the Evil Knievel biopic starring Channing Tatum. What? Yeah, really. <laughs> no, I didn't hear that. <laughs> this is actually a thing. We're going to get the Evil Knievel movie starring Channing Tatum. Actually, I, I, heard, I, heard that it, I heard that the film, but I didn't know that... That Channing was going to be in it. Oh, yeah, well, because Channing Tatum's developed it with his, he's got this yeah. production. Reed Carolyn is his production partner. Mm, they've yeah, got yeah. a little production company together and they've been developing his projects. Uh, I believe he's involved with Gambit as well. Okay, yeah. But yeah, so we've got that to come as well. Oh, Woody Harrelson, we've got to talk about that. Oh, yeah, uh, he's going to be uh, a general. He's or going to be a colonel or something. Cur- I, I, like I think he's the colonel. I, think I would love that to just be his name, the colonel. But that's it, he's yeah. known only as the colonel. He's the villain of the new movie War for the Planet of the Apes. Yes. This is going to be awesome. I, I I can't wait for this. I was already excited oh. about about a third Planet of the Apes reboot movie. Yeah. Uh, in the reboot series, sorry. I love the first one. Second one just second one the whole of the level. Yeah. And now we've got one with Woody Harrelson as the human villain. Yes. Like, that's awesome because Gary Oldman wasn't really a villain last time around. 
No, he, he wasn't yeah. the villain. Villain. He, he was the villain of the piece, but he's he, not... he was a villain with good intentions. That's it. Well, he, his own intentions. Yeah. He, was, yeah. he was just protect. He, one of those characters. I'm just protecting my own kind of a character. Yeah. I, I'd like to see an actual villain in in mm. the form of, of Woody Harrelson. So we'll, we'll see what comes with that. Are you looking forward to that one then? Big time. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, it's that time then, Kay. Should we do the box office top ten? I think that we should do it. Number ten. Latest film from uh, Mr. Woody Allen is Irrational Man. Have you seen this one yet? Did you I've still not seen it? I, I quite enjoyed it. It's very, it's very quintessentially Woody Allen. I mean, yeah. why, is it, why is it not going to be? That's what you expect. Well, Joaquin Phoenix, you know, uh, kind of chilling, vegging out a bit. Um, it, it's a little bit more macabre than I'm used to from Woody Allen, but I quite enjoyed it. I thought it was a nice change of pace. Hmm. It's not a fantastic film, but it's like an annual stage play at this point with, with Woody Allen. Number nine. Never has a film had a better title. The Empire Strikes Back. Because it keeps coming back, doesn't it? It keeps coming back. <laughs> the Secret Center event. Now in its 15th week, I believe. And yeah, uh, yeah it's still going. And can we really say anything more about Empire Strikes Back at this stage? It's it's a classic film. It's yeah. one of the all-time greats. What's not to love? Number eight. Moving down the top ten. Uh, Pierce Brosnan uh, in No Escape. Pierce Brosnan in No Escape. Not Owen Wilson in No Escape. Oh, shut up. (laughs) (laughs) Because, I mean, it's it's a bad film. I'll be honest, I die a little inside every time I fire up Twitter and I see more tweets reposted by Ent1 saying, (laughs) Oh my God, saw No Escape, totes best movie evs. And you're like, die, just die, you people. And it's it's a zombie movie without zombies. It is xenophobic to a just dangerous degree. <laughs> it is hysterically poor. Number seven. Moving down the top ten again. Pixels. Again, I mean, what, what is left to say about Pixels? It's family fun, you know, pop in a quarter, sit back, enjoy the IMAX 3D ride. Adam Sandler's not that bad. That's really all you need to know. Yeah. Number six. Now. Where is Hunt? <laughs> he is the manifestation of destiny, don't you know, Ken? Mission Impossible, Rogue Nation. Uh, do you know what? Yeah. I can't wait for this on home release. because I, 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 should be, I hope, be great. I hope the Blu-ray comes with an option. You can just watch the Alec Baldwin scenes. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Enter Baldwin-ing mode. Um, I loved it. I think Tom Cruise reminds us yet again why he is the Hollywood star that he is. And he is mm. one of the sort of last remaining genuine action stars, really. Um, Rebecca Ferguson makes a sizable impression. Alec Baldwin's amazing. The ensemble works. Yeah, Sam Pegg well. is great. Yeah. It's it's a pretty good action sequel. Number five. This has moved down uh, to number five. Um, is Inside Out. And so, which you're quite a big fan of. You've seen it three. I've times? seen it three times now. It's not even out on home release. <laughs> so I'll, I'll I'll buy it on blue and I'll, I'll watch think, it a fourth and a fifth time. I think at this stage, for the sake of your financial balance, you probably should buy it on blue. <laughs> mm. um, I really enjoyed it. You know, it's one of those. It's a well written perfect family film from Pixar yeah. it's kind of what you expect now with the brand it's, mm. it's very much a part of the Pixar brand with the requisite cast the tender warm loving moments enjoyable 3D and visuals the emotional gut punch the emotional gut yeah. punch exactly number four I have finally seen it straight out of Compton so you've finally seen it so finally. I'm not going to talk about that I'm just going to let you do it what did you think okay so um, you have said about the parts of Dre's life that has been visibly a, glossed over yeah, yeah so I, I do agree with that um, I love the dynamic with Easy e and Jerry Heller and uh, Ice Cube um, I love that Ice Cube's son plays Cube perfectly <laughs> um, yeah no I, I was a big fan fair enough yeah. number three a new entry The Visit The Visit well <laughs> I didn't like it. I know you didn't. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's a visit from which you cannot wait to leave. You can't wait to return home. 
Uh, let's see, it feels like a Blumhouse film. It only feels like a Shyamalan film when it gets to the very, very end and there is this unnecessarily bolted on sentimental thing. Uh, the grandparents are great, the kids are awful. Uh, he's a rapper isn't he Ed Oxenball plays a rapping 8 year old and good god is he irritating some of the moments you know, there's a, a sequence under the grandparents house there's like a chase sequence through like a maze of the foundation of the house absolutely brilliant unfortunately it's just one good thing in a film which contains literally nothing else number 2 Maze Runner The Scorch Trials which I can't, I, I, I can't tell it apart from the likes of the Hunger Games movies. No, you always say like the movies. Hunger Games, Divergent, yeah. Yeah, the, the Hunger Maze, Divergent runners. It, it feels like that now because it's always... Colon City of Bones. Colon City of Bones, <laughs> yeah. Uh, mortal Instruments of Bones. Yeah. Uh, the Beautiful Creatures of Bones. bones and, yeah. like that. and that's the problem because it's always abandoned silo bases, empty warehouses. Dystopian future. Dystopian yeah, future. Factions. This one, not terribly. This one just seems to go on and on. It's directionless. It just walks. It's characters wandering from one point to another. No semblance of what's actually going on at any time. And then just some exposition. And frankly, no, I'm bored of this. We have about nine of these going at the same time now. Number one. And straight to number one. Legend. Did you get to see Legend? No, I've still not seen you it. Still not seen this one. Uh, two, two Tom Hardys. Two Tom Hardys for your money. Yeah. And he, do you know what? He's having a lot of fun in it, as you'd expect. Yeah. Brian Helgeland's direction is suitably suave in it. Mm. Emily Browning is very enjoyable on screen, less enjoyable off screen when she's providing the voiceover, which is awful. <laughs> and then you've got a film which wants to be a Scorsese movie, but its sensibilities are slightly too cartoonish. Mm. To actually pull it off. And it's a shame because the film on the whole is quite enjoyable. So some more film news to tide us over then. And we probably should talk about Elizabeth Banks then. Let's do it. So what has she got uh, lined up? Well, Sony have entered negotiations with said Ms. Banks mm-hmm. uh, to produce, well co-produce with her husband. They have a production company, I don't know yeah. if you know that. Um, to produce and uh, direct a big screen reboot of Charlie's Angels. That's amazing. That is, it's kind of yeah. good casting. I mean, in a day and age in which you know, there, was so, there was a serious lack of female franchises... Especially those with female you know, directors behind them. Hmm. Uh, you look at like both the comic book companies at the moment will have one film each on, yeah. on the docket, which is kind of depressing. And even then, we don't know if Captain Marvel is going to be directed by a female director. We don't know. Exactly. We don't have the faintest clue. Um, so, the big question is, who's going to be one of Charlie's Angels in 2015, mm. 2016? Who, who, who would you cast? Who would you get? I have no idea. N- not a clue. Ronda Rousey. Because <laughs> that's just your answer for everything. That's just my answer for everything. Who's going to be the shark in the Jaws remake? Ronda Rousey. <laughs> so, yeah, we've got that to look forward to. We'll see what comes of that. Um, in the meanwhile, as well, so we've got Mary Poppins. That's getting a sequel. Yeah, that. Do you think that's that'll have a female director? No, it won't. It'll have Rob Marshall. Oh, yeah. Disney want to do a live-action Mary Poppins sequel from Rob Marshall, who no, brought thanks. us, of course, Into the Woods. Into the Woods his... is a great musical, not a great film. Th- that, actually, do you know what? I'll give you that. That's very true. Meanwhile, Case, do you want the D? <laughs> You've been waiting all week, so, haven't you? I've been waiting all week to see if you want the D, Case. Do <laughs> you want the D? Jack Black wants the D. James Marsden wants the D. Everybody you want wants the D? the D? Everyone wants the D, Let's yeah. hop above the D train. The D train. Oh, because the D train, which is... Uh, an interesting sort of, I would say, small town dramedy. Would you call yeah, it? Yeah, I like. I do like the setup of it. 
So, basic gist, you've got a small-town beta male, for lack of a better term, with low self-esteem, played by uh, Jack Black. He has a sort of unfulfilling day job. He uh, spends his evenings working for the alumni committee of his former high school, trying to organise the school reunion, which nobody's interested in. When he discovers that the most popular kid in school is now a bit part actor who starred in a... Is it a suntan commercial? Uh, it's a suntan commercial. It's suntan banana commercial. something. Something called, like that. Yeah. And he's played by James Marsden in his mm. older years. Uh, he decides that he is going to basically zhuzh up the reunion and get everyone excited about going by bringing the popular kid home. Only thing is, the popular kid is not quite the successful actor that Jack Black thinks he is and the two form a sort of weird friendship that may or may not lead to disappointment for one or both of them. Here's a clip. D-Fresh has an idea. Who's D-Fresh? It's me, Jerry. Focus. I have an idea. It's going to take this thing to the next level and get every single person from our class to RSVP. Yes. How? Tash, bring up the reunion Facebook page for me, please. Everyone gather around. Gather around? Come on. Chop, chop. Why? Why would we do that? Press play for me, Tash. And full screen for me, Tash. Both beautiful. Is that Oliver Lawless? Now the ocean, I can yes. keep that safe. It's Oliver Lawless. It's a big Hollywood actor now. We get Lawless to come, the whole class will follow. So, Jack Black, James Marsden, Catherine Hahn, Jeffrey Tambor. You've got a hell it's of a, a good cast. cast yeah. It's a really good cast mm. in there. I like Jeffrey Tambor, big time. So, Jared Sweet. Paul and Andrew Mogul are the writer-directors on this one. Mm. I actually know uh, Jared Paul as a comedic actor. Uh, he's in one really? of my favourite TV shows. Which is? Uh, a series called Action. Starring okay. Jay Moore. If you've never seen it, it oh, was it was Entourage was great, before yeah. there was Entourage. Right. If you know what I mean, do watch it. It was terrific. Um, <laughs> really biting. <laughs> so it was a it was meant to be a, a satirical take on Joel Silver. Really, it really is. It's meant to be. That's what the central character is meant to be. Anyway, so what did you think of this one, Case? Um, I did enjoy it. You did, did enjoy it. Um, did you enjoy it as much as Bernie? That's one. No, person. did not you not? I didn't enjoy it as much as Bernie, I, and that was I the last really, time. Really enjoyed Bernie. Yeah, I, I was seeing some kind of was similarities. That later? That wasn't later. It, it was, was later. Yeah, um, th- that was the last time we got to see Jack Black do this sort of, you know, outside of his wheelhouse yeah. kind of show his range a yeah. bit more. Yeah, add substance to his general madcapery. Yeah, you know I, mean. I mean, he. This is a film where he doesn't sing. He doesn't Which sing. Is, no. Yeah, and he doesn't really do the shouty, screechy thing. All the, all the dance. Kind of thing None of that. Yeah. He is playing it relatively straight, no pun intended. Yeah. And um, this is the thing. So Marsden, you've got Marsden as well, who's a very difficult actor to sort of pin down. I don't know who or what James Marsden really is. He a C-lister? Is is he a jobbing C-lister? Is he? I, oh no, I'd say he's, I'd say he's B-lister. Is he a B-lister? He's is Cyclops, he? man. I, I don't know. <laughs> Even if Cyclops doesn't get a good movie version, at least he's ever. In, yeah, at least he's in the franchise. This is very it. true. And I, I thought James Marsden was very, very good in it. Uh, Catherine Hahn, I enjoyed quite a lot as well. She's got a lot more to do here than she did in The Visit, for example. Yeah, and then you've got this sort of this. Great Great supporting cast of sort of known commodities to a certain class of com- yeah. comedy fan, which are the likes of Jim Gaffigan, uh, Jeffrey Tambor, Mike White, who of course was Ned Schneebly in School, uh, of, School of Rock. Yeah. He wrote that as well. He wrote and, School and, of yeah, Rock. Yeah, exactly. So Mike White again, same kind of thing. Um, the, there is a bit of a problem that runs throughout the film, which is namely that it can't seem to commit to a specific tone. Hmm. 
Uh, it can't seem to decide whether it wants to be this John Waters-esque sort of small town <laughs> hell kind of a tale. If it, is, it, is it about self-esteem? Is it about uh, feeling like you have purpose? Is it about male friendship? It can't seem to decide where its focus really it, lies. I don't know. I think it kind of balances the line between the two, really. Did, did, you, find, did you find it settled a lot easier for you? For me, it did, yeah, definitely. That's fair enough. That's why there's two of us and not just me. <laughs> so we can have different. That's why I'm not sat in a broom cupboard doing this on my own. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, for me, I think that 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 dis, this, that distorted identity, that lack of focus, I I found that proved troublesome. Um, I did think as well that James Marsden and Jack Black seem to have completely different levels of characterization. Uh, for instance, Jack so. Black's character seems to be a lot more developed than James Marsden, who seems to be more archetypical. I guess Jack Black's character is he is the titular D train. He, he, he is the titular D. <laughs> yeah, which is sent as an effort, what I would say. Mm. But um, yeah, he, he obviously gets a lot more to do. It is Jack Black's film. Very much so. I mean I do think uh, I think on the whole, it is it's it's an engaging, it's a likable, charming, quirky enough film. And you mm. will laugh and you will be engaged. And you will it'll hold your interest and mm. to, 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 to to you know, play on its title. It's it's not really it's not a journey you'll want to hop off, but it is a bumpy ride. I would say that about it. It's not flawless, yeah. but it's not awful by stressed imagination, and there's there's enough in there to enjoy, I think. Would you agree? I would definitely agree. Yeah. Uh, one, there is a film coming out that's actually been developed now, and I'm actually intrigued by this. Yeah. It's a, a true story being adapted for the screen, and it's the true story of Betty and Barney Hill. Are you aware of the story? I am not. This, And I know of this um, through things like The X-Files, and basically 90s television played on this quite a lot. Betty and Barney Hill were a couple who um, reported one of the first alien abduction stories ever. One of the world's first really? ever. Um, it's being produced by uh, the team behind uh, the Major in that series. Amazing enough. Uh, it's going to be a segue. It is. It's going to be called Captured, and one of the producers on this is where it gets really funny for me. One of the producers on it is a man named Bryce Zabel, who was also a producer on Lois and Clark in the nineties. And uh, but for me, this is where it gets really interesting. He produced a series called Dark Skies. Did you ever see this? Oh yeah, yeah, Spielberg. Yeah. yeah. No, no, nothing was oh, no. Spielberg. No, this this starred J T. Walsh, and the idea was it took no, place yeah. it took place in the sixties, yeah. and all historical events were actually fronts for an alien invasion and, and a government yeah. agency trying to stop it. One of the episodes, I think it might have been the pilot, featured recreations of the hills, Betty and Barney Hill, in the very pilot episode. That is interesting. That is interesting. So obviously, it's kind of like a full circle Bryce is able, yeah. must have an interest in the story. So, we've got that to look forward to. One final piece, Adrian Brody has signed on for a ticking clock thriller. <laughs> I love that term. Is, is that, is that the title as well? No, sadly not. Right, it's, uh, it's going to be called Expiration. It's going to be directed by Nick Cassavetes and written by Brian Tucker. He is a former CIA agent who survives an assassination attempt only to find he has been poisoned and has 24 <laughs> hours to live. You've got an Oscar, man. What are you doing? <laughs> you were Houdini, man. Yeah. You were the damn pianist. You're better than this. Although Cassavetes... You need one of these men. Mm. You need it. No one's no one's forgiven him for any of the crap he's done recently. What, what, what which, was the, done? which was the which uh, was the the Nick Sparks one he did. They all merge into one. Did he do the, the longest ride? Was that him? the longest ride? I think I thought it was the best of me. I honestly oh, with, with James Marsden. Yes, yeah. quite possibly could be. Oh god. Final film this week, then case. Let's do Shall it. Shall we walk on the wild side or walk in the woods? 
Let's mm. walk in the woods. So, based on the bestseller by Bill Bryson, uh, this is a comedy about Bill Bryson himself, based on a true story, mm. obviously. Uh, Bryson here is played by Robert Redford. So I'm going to confess that I did not know Bill Bryson that well before the film started, and I didn't realise he was American. Yes. Yes, I very, did not very, know Very, very famous writer. Yes, yeah. I'm not terrible. traveller. Again, I now know that having seen the film, (laughs) in which he is played, of course, by Robert Redford, and having attended yet another old friend's funeral with his wife, Emma Thompson, uh, Bryson decides he's going to go and walk the Appalachian Trail. Because that's what you do. <laughs> that's, that's the green process. In order, to, I think he wants to, to find purpose and prove that he's still got it. Oh, so that makes sense. That old, yeah. that old thing. Prove that he's still got his joie de vivre. He's still got <laughs> his verve. And of course, because of the danger of walking this incredibly long trail, which apparently takes something like five months if you attempt it, he decides he needs a travel companion and calls up every old friend he has to get only one reply. Now, who is it? It is Nick Nolte, it seems. <laughs> which I'm guessing is the only circumstance under which you would choose Nick Nolte as a travel that's, companion. That's like the last person. It really yeah. is. However, it is ripe for comedy. And as the pair set off along the Appalachian Trail, they decide to dissect their relationship, where it went wrong, what's gone wrong in their lives since, how they feel about their lives, their purpose, their destinies, as it were. Here's a clip. Hey, cat, you awake? No. What was that? How the hell should I know? Sounded big. Everything sounds big in the woods, Bryson. It's probably just a skunk. Go to bed. Did you pack a knife? No. Nothing sharp? Nail clippers. Swell. Just leave it alone, Bryson. It'll go away. Oh, yeah. Well, if it is a bear and it comes towards you, what are you going to do? Give it a pedicure? So, the, as I said to you before we, when we started, one of the funniest things about a walk in the woods is the idea that a black bear is somehow less feral looking now than Nick Fonte. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's got a lot of face going on. Yeah, I've got all, there, is a, there is a lot of face to Nick Fonte. <laughs> it's funny to me that this is released the same week as Everest as well, because you've gone from two teams of men on a mountain to... Two men in the woods. Two men in the woods. And yet two men in the woods is infinitely more entertaining than two teams of men on a mountain. So, yeah. Um, so, it, it, it's it's brilliant. It's a lot of fun. It's very funny. It's very charming. It's very likable. I mean, you presumably know the work of Bryson a lot better than I do. Uh, I know it quite well. Yeah. yeah. Okay. My, my, my parents are fans. Oh, your parents are fans? kind of where I get it trickled down, I guess. Oh, yeah. my parents are just fans of Ridley Scott historical epics, so, you know. Oh, right, yeah. My mum recently told me the best of me was a, was a uh, terrific movie. The best of what, The best uh, of me. She oh, told yeah. me the best of me was a terrific movie. Yeah, it's not. <laughs> it, it, it's not, Mom. It really isn't. I then told her she should watch The Longest Ride. It's a lot better. <laughs> but uh, yeah. So this is a really terrific comedy for, uh, to, to use the quote, men of a certain age, which seems to be the, mm. the term now. Uh, it, and it, it works for those people who found the bucket list a bit too Hollywood, if you know what I mean. Bucket list is a little bit concepty, a bit gimmicky. Mm. This is a lot more straight-faced, a lot more, hey, let's just walk in the woods. 
Well, you know, we've got two great actors, two great characters. What it says number 10. Exactly. Yeah. And it's got this emphasis on heartfelt comedic banter and sort of character development. It's a mm. joy to watch it unfold. I would imagine it was such a great kind of chemistry. There is a great chemistry, yeah. and it does play off, they play off of each other so well. I did read an interview with Redford where he had said this is something he would have loved to have done with Paul Newman. And you can see oh, it. Man. You can imagine that film. A couple of days ago, I rewatched uh, Butch Cassidy. Yeah. Uh, that film's so good. <laughs> Who doesn't love Butch Cassidy? It's incredible. But uh, it's it's an interesting film. It's very considered. It's very it's very well thought out. It is laugh out loud funny. And with it within within seconds of it starting, yeah. you will be laughing. Uh, it's you know Redford does that. I'm straight faced, but I'm a good guy. I'm still funny though. Yeah. Sort of. Role. And then you've got Nick Nolte who. I'm the screw up. Sort of a wrong. <laughs> that was on point. I'm the screw up. Yeah. <laughs> Although I did find myself watching it thinking, Jesus, was this guy ever young? Because I can't remember what a young Nick Nolte ever looked like now. Uh, the earliest I can think about is uh, Cape Fear. And even oh, then. 48 he... hours for me, and I still well, can't yeah. remember him looking young. He looks like mid 40s. But... <laughs> he does, doesn't he? Um, it's a trip genuinely worth taking. At 104 minutes, it breezes by. It feels like mm. a good 90 minute. Um, in fact, it does get to a point where you are checking your watch, thinking, oh man, this is going to end in 10 minutes. Yeah, I want to see more of these guys. Yeah, it, and it, it ends at a point where you think, oh, this. I wish this went on the story continued a bit further you will laugh you will sort of you will get a little misty eyed in places it is very funny it is very thought but he's got a great supporting cast Mary Steenburgen Emma Thompson Nick Offerman turns up in it oh really oh, Nick, see, I didn't know Nick that Nick Offerman turns up I, in I it I knew that Mary Steenburgen was in it if I told you Nick Offerman was the man who worked at the camping store could you imagine this scene playing out I imagine that if he wasn't like a famous actor that would just be his job anyway. <laughs> so, I think that is very much very much much the case um, I'd say it feels about 20 minutes shorter than it actually is wow. it has some, It has the best on screen chemistry some of the best on screen chemistry you've seen this year so far mm. um, and I say it just got perfectly rounded characters Rick Kerr Bill Holderman a brilliant screenplay for this they've played to the strength of, of the story to the strength of the characters and the, and the cast they have um, and it's a brilliant exploration of elder male bonding I, I really loved it definitely I think we know what the film of the week is going to be then well, I'm, I'm going to have to give it to Walk in the Woods. I really loved Walk in the Woods. Walk in the Woods was so good, I can't wait to see it again. That's how good it was. I think I might see it tonight. I don't have any plans. My plans have now fallen through, so I'll be watching that, I think. You've convinced me, sir. Well, your plans were with me. Come with me. So they we'll see it again. Through. Have they fallen through? <laughs> Never mind. Right, so next week we've got uh, McFarland or McFarland USA, depending on where you get the title from. Got that to look forward to, which is, wouldn't you know it, a Kevin Costner sports drama. He does yeah. those quite a lot, doesn't he? He, he? he does those, doesn't yeah. he? We've got Miss You Already with Drew Barrymore and Tony Collette. That seems to have come out of that. That really has. Female driven sort of uh, dramedy come out of nowhere. Yeah. Uh, we've got Captive with David O'Yellowo. And we've got uh, Life with Dane DeHaan and Robert Pattinson. This could be quite interesting. Uh, this is James this Dean. This is the James yeah. Dean. Uh, James Dean one to look mm. forward to. Uh, Mia Madre, which I don't know an awful lot about, yeah, uh, but one I am quite looking forward to. Solace, we have that to look forward to. Yeah. This is the Anthony Hopkins is a psychic catching a serial killer played by Colin Farrell thriller. What could go wrong with that? That sounds amazing. We shall see. I've seen the trailer. It wasn't wholly on board. You know what? I, is this going to be Fracture or is it going to be The Right? That's what I'm wondering. <laughs> yeah. that, that, those are your t- when it comes to your cheap and cheerful Anthony Hopkins thrillers, those are your benchmarks. Fracture's the good end. What was the it, right Chris Rock? Was it, was it Bad Company? Bad Company. Get in the car, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> 
So we've got uh, all those to come and more next week off screen. Uh, this has been a uh, Candy Store production for On Screen. I've been Van Connor. My name is Case Iron. We'll be back next week. Just show me the way to get out of here and I'll be on my way. You've been listening to Off Screen. For more news and reviews, visit onscreenfilm.com. in the car, bitch. <laughs>